Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. How many of you grew up with a very strong authority figure in your life? Wow, a lot of us, huh? Okay, how many of us grew up with a very tender-hearted figure in our life? I think the strongs have it out in number <laughs> a little way. And I could ask how many of you have the per- had the perfect balance, but I don't want to tempt you to lie. So, I'm, I, I mean, you're in church, and I, I know, I know that you start things get kind of tainted and colored a little bit through life as, as life goes on. But uh, let me ask you this. Let me throw some pictures up on, on the screen. And you tell me, I want to hear who do you think is the perfect balance between strength and tenderness. Let's see some, let's see some pictures. Anybody remember this sitcom? <laughs> Philip Drummond. He had his hands full, right? Anybody say that was, that's the one I grew up with? Anybody? How about this next one? There you go. How about Howard and Marion? Now, I mean, you know, come on, Marion. You know, nobody clapping for them yet. So we haven't got to the perfect one yet. Okay, how about the next one? Oh, come on now. Yeah, Louisa Izzy, and, uh, you know, he just died, matter of fact. He was such a shy person. I saw an interview, and he, did, he hated being in front of people. But when the camera came on, he just took on that character. And all, a very kind man seemed to be. Okay, how about the next ones? Let's see. I haven't heard any. I want to hear some applause. How about Edna? Now, uh, you know. Nobody yet. Man, you're a tough crowd this morning. Or either, either we're so young, we don't know who these people are. Or we're so old, and we don't know who these people are. Okay, how about the next one? Uh, I knew it. I knew it. Herschel. That's right. Herschel, right? We miss him. We miss him tremendously. I hate the writers. They wrote him off. How about the next one? Rick? I don't see any tenderness. I'm sorry, man. I, I just don't see any tenderness in Rick. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I hear three of you, which is really strange. We'll pray for you afterwards. Okay, how, how about the next one? Oh, Father Knows Best, yeah, Jim and Margaret Anderson, there you go, it was so perfect. Uh, Homer, Marge, how about it? Seriously. (laughs) See, we really have a dilemma, I can tell, even in this room this morning, how about next? One of my favorites. You know who Lucas McCain is. Oh, all right. The Rifleman. That's right. How about the next one? One more. No more. Good Times is not on there. That was my favorite. Did you do that on purpose? Just kidding. Anybody remember Good Times? Do you remember James Evans, the dad that was in there? To me, he was the absolute epitome of strength that strong jaw and that look and the the passion that was in him but also 
that kindness and tenderness that Flo, you know, would bring, Florida, his wife, <laughs> would bring to the picture. You know, unfortunately, probably for most of us, we did not grow up with that perfect balance between strong, strength and tenderness. But there is one in the Bible who is described as that perfect balance, and his name is El Shaddai. We've been looking at the names of God uh, for the last six weeks. We're going to do two more weeks, and we could go on for quite a few more weeks. Uh, People don't realize that in the Scripture, God is just not designated with one term or one title, and that is God. God is like the all in all. And so far, we've looked today will be six names that God calls himself. Same God, same wonderful God, and, but he defines himself by his characteristics. And most of the time, by the need of the moment, whatever part, whatever facet of who he is, what he needs to reveal to people at that time is what we find in his names. And so today, we're going to find a time in Abram's life or Abraham's life. Uh, where El Shaddai, where God showed up as El Shaddai. Now, when you read your scriptures, El Shaddai, it's God Almighty. God Almighty, but there's more in that name than uh, that term alone. And so that's what we're going to look at. So let's read the scriptures, Genesis 17, verses 1 through 2. And uh, here we go. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between you and you, between me and you, and will greatly increase your numbers. Father, bless your word this morning. Bless the reading of it. Uh, Jesus, we invite you here. Holy Spirit, come teach us. Reveal who our God is to us. You, Father God, and you, El Shaddai. As there are many in this room today who need to see you as El Shaddai, God Almighty. And so we open our hearts over the next few minutes and we ask you to come and teach us. And not just teach us, Lord, but reveal yourself to us. Come and be present now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we'll get into this scripture in just a few minutes. But Abraham obviously had been promised a lot of, you know, a lot in the fact that he would have children and his children would be, you know, more numerous than the stars in the sky and more numerous than the sand on the beaches. And uh, and so I usually don't say this, but is it hot in here to you guys? Yeah. It is. Can we get some AC on or is it out? Or are we dealing with a problem? Can somebody? Because, I mean, I run about 15 degrees hotter than everybody. But <laughs> if somebody can check it, thank you. I appreciate that. I see people doing this. And when I'm about to go nuclear, you know, uh, Chernobyl here, I just want to. You want to find out if I'm the only one. But in the word El Shaddai is is an interesting breakout word. S-H-A-D. Shad. El Shaddai. El Shad. El Shaddai. Shaddai is the the God Almighty, but within the name is another part or another facet of the name. Hebrews have these amazing tools that they use in their uh, language to be able to get a picture over. It's much uh, more in-depth, and I'd say almost, uh, you know, there's, there's depth to it and length to it and height to it. And it's easier to, uh, to get a better view of things sometimes through their language. And this word shad, S-H-A-D in there, is a word. Let me just read a scripture from you and uh, for you. Oh, it, well, I'll just tell you where it is. Isaiah 61 or 60 in verses 15 through 16. Isaiah 60, 15 through 16 where God describes himself. And he describes himself as almost like a nurturing mother. 
And uh, the word shad is a picture of a nurturing mother who is feeding her child. Now, that's right in the middle of this name, El Shaddai. So in God Almighty, there is a play on of words between Shaddai and Shad that the Hebrews use to say, yes, he is incredibly strong, but he is also amazingly nurturing and tenderhearted. Beautiful thing. Beautiful thing that uh, we only find if we, like, dig into it. And uh, Elmer Towns says, wordplay reminds us, that God provides for us. God does not come to Abram as the creator alone, but as the God who can supply Abram's needs as a mother satisfies the needs of a child at her breast. It's just a beautiful picture. And maybe you remember Jesus saying, you know, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would call you to myself as a mother hen does its chicks. And there's that picture of that tender heartedness. But that God is such that it's, you know, his... Uh, he is incredibly strong. He's Elohim, the strong creator, which is where the El comes from in El Shaddai. Elohim, strong creator, but he is also Shad, that part of Shaddai of Almighty that is also the tender-hearted, nurturing mother. And I really think probably most of us in our lives have always looked for that. We've always hoped. Uh, I certainly didn't grow up with that kind of balance. And uh, and maybe some of you got more of it than, than others. But God is that incredible balance on both sides of it. Incredibly strong, but incredibly compassionate. And so you have a fill-in uh, on the back of your handout this morning. There's three, just three fill-ins back there. And if you want to follow along with me, you can. And the first one is this. El Shaddai, El Shaddai when I need strength and tenderness. Sounds like a song, doesn't it? And El Shaddai, when I need strength and tenderness, both. When I need someone in my life who indeed is a strong creator, someone who looks at my life and looks at the mess and the chaos and goes, I can deal with this. I can change this, but also goes, I'm not so distant away from you that I can't feel what you're going through, that I can't sense what you're going through. And so maybe you're at that place, you're like, I need someone who's in control in my life because I'm not right now. But I also want someone who is not so distant from my life that they can't have some sympathy or empathy for where I am. Because then I, can, I know that they're right there with me. They're not standing off. Abram, let's read the scripture from Genesis 49, 25. Uh, because of your father's God who helps you, because of the almighty Shaddai who blesses you with blessings of the skies above. Listen to this. Blessings of the skies above, blessings of the deep springs below, and blessings of the breast and womb. In other words, life, sustenance, uh, uh, there's water, and there's the blessing of nature, of looking out. Everything you need, all of that is a very personal description of a personal God who's involved in his creation and wants to take care of them, not leave them, not just give mandates to them and say, hey, go do this. I'll see you later when you get it perfect. No, it's not like that. El Shaddai is the God who comes and says, I'm strong enough to help you out of this, Abraham. In this situation where you cannot have any children, I can step into this and I can do something phenomenal because I am Elohim, the strong creator. But I'm not just Elohim. I am Shad. I am Shad. I am Shaddai. I am someone who is close enough to you to sense and to feel everything you're going through. And, of course, Abraham, 
you know, God's timing and our timing is a little different, right? So it gets a little dicey sometimes because when something doesn't happen, we can feel like the person who's involved in our life doesn't really care about the timing or doesn't care about us and is not that compassionate and doesn't really care about where we are in time. So, but God is the only one. Now, it is like this. Abraham had been promised a child 24 years earlier. That's a long wait, especially when you started out 75 when the promise came, right? I mean, when you start out at 75 and you're going, dude, I am so close to not making this, you know? It's like, you, God, you really got to do something here. And then the promises come, and he gets to 85, and, and uh, you know, suddenly Abraham's wondering, do I have to take things, you know, do I have to start, take control of things, or do I leave it to God, El Shaddai? Do I leave it to him, or do I step in? And then he gets on around to 90s, and you're thinking, time has passed me by. You know, God is not tender, and God does not care about where I am at all, because he hasn't acted when I wanted him to act. It's, it gets interesting But that's when we call on El Shaddai and we go, God, you are the God of strength and you are the God of compassion and satisfaction. You are here with me. And I know you have made promises to me. And it's not always easy to walk through that. Uh, Almighty God or El Shaddai is found 48 times in the Old Testament. And guess where the majority of them are found? In the book of Job. 31 times. Isn't that interesting that God comes to Job who lost everything. And when we finally find him, he is sitting on the ash heap of all the remains of his life, which he's lost his family, he's lost his home, he's lost his riches, he has lost his house. He's sitting on top of them and he has broken out in boils and he's got a piece of the remainder of a piece of pottery from his house and he's scraping the boils off of his... Off of his well, that's what it says. Hey, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's what it says. He's like, oh, gross, man. Ugh. You know, but I mean, the Bible I tell you, doesn't pull any punches, right? This is how bad it is. And yet 31 times God comes to Job and says, I'm El Shaddai. It sure looked like God missed the timing with him, didn't it? It sure did. And you've got to read the rest of the book to see the end of it. I tell you that. I'm not going to do it. Not, we're not in the series for Job. You need to go read it. Read it. It's a great Great, wonderful, horrible, depressing, and then excitingly exhilarating, you know, the up and downs of the, like the shows you like to watch on television. You should read Job because it's even better. And so 31 times in the book of Job, um, God tells Abram he is a strong creator. He's able to move on that old body of his and Sarah's. Like I made you, I can do what I want to in you. It doesn't matter your age. But he also says that I am such a God is that I am with you and I understand the struggle you're in. I understand it. I sense it and I feel it. Even when they, when they take a shortcut and it doesn't turn out well, when he's 85, Abraham's 85, and he gets Hagar. Got to read the stories, folks. Hagar. And uh, that doesn't turn out real well. There's still enmity between Ishmael and Israel to this day. And uh, it doesn't turn out well. But you know what God does? God does not pile on them. You read that story and not one time does God pile on them and, and say, You blankety blank, why didn't you wait on me? Why didn't you do this? No, he didn't. He says, I'm coming to you and I'm going to fulfill my word to you. He didn't pile on. He didn't make it worse. 
He came and he fulfilled his word in his time, of which was the best time, by the way. So, let me read this to you, see if this sound, uh, if you can make the connection. Over in the New Testament, in Hebrews 4.15, we read this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There we go. That's Jesus. Jesus understands because he has been put in places of temptation. He has been put in places where he needed to depend on his father. And... uh, So we jump from El Shaddai in the Old Testament and it carries right on through till every single one of the names of God that we're going to study can be found in Jesus and fulfilled in Jesus himself there. So El Shaddai when I need strength and tenderness. And your next one is El Shaddai when a promise is taking too long. (laughs) El Shaddai when a promise is taking too long. In Genesis 15 to we read, but Abram said, Sovereign Lord. Now look how he addresses him. Sovereign Lord Adonai. This is Abraham talking, or Abram. What can you give me since I remain childless? And then in 17 verses 1 through 2, we read, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, Who is he? I am God Almighty, El Shaddai. In other words, he, he described himself, God did. Even though Abraham is calling on him, Adonai, like you're the master. You are the boss, Adonai. You're the boss. You're the master, God. Why don't you come and do something about this? But God responds to him, I'm El Shaddai, Almighty God. That's right. I am the strong creator who is very compassionate and will bring satisfaction to you. That's how God answers his cry. So God designates himself with a different title, though he's both, because the situation called for Abraham to know that he was El Shaddai. I bet some of you in here today, you need to know God is El Shaddai. You need him strong and you need him tender. You need to know he can make a difference in your life, but you also need to know that he feels and senses and he's there with you and he's not left you alone and he's not just a battering ram trying to force his will into your life, but he cares about you. We need both. And so, when a promise is taking too long, El Shaddai, they take a shortcut. You ever taken a shortcut? You prayed about something, you were so optimistic in the beginning, right? God is going to do this in my life. He's going to, you know, whatever. You list it. He's going to get me out of this financial bind. I know he's going to bring a miracle. And then after about one day, <laughs> after we go to the mailbox and we, then <gasps> you check your bank account. <gasps> that mysterious $10,000, it hasn't come in yet. What the credit card is still here with twenty eight percent interest? What, you know? And we keep expecting, keep expecting, and so we go. I, I I know what I'll do. I'll go get a loan. I'll go do this, and we take a shortcut. Maybe it's a relationship, and we've been praying, and we've been praying, and we've been praying, and we're like, it's not changing. When is God going to do something? And we're like, He's just not going to do it. God's, God's. I'm, I'm gonna. 
I'm going to find somebody else. I'm going to go and I'm going to, I got to get my needs met, man. I got to go find somebody who cares about me. And so I'm, I'm going to leave this one and I'm going to go to find another one. And God's just too late. And, and all we take shortcuts. We take shortcuts. And Abraham and Sarah are like, God's not going to do this. We're, we're too old. I know he said he's the strong creator. I know he said he cares about us and, and, and he empathizes with us. But look at us, Abraham. Look at us, Sarah. We're, we, we can't have any children. And it was very normal in this time, in this culture, to, to get someone like Hagar and let them have children for the family. That was uh, not that it was God's way of doing things, but it was normal to the culture at the time. And, and so Sarah, you know, Finally goes to Abraham and says, hey, Hagar, let's, let's let Hagar have a baby. And, and so Abraham agrees and, and Hagar has Ishmael. And so they have a son finally. And how it goes is, you know what happens? And then suddenly Sarah is just not happy because there's someone else in the home she didn't have anything to do with. And so she wants her out of there. And so it breaks down and... The compassionate God that he is, the El Shaddai that he is, even with Hagar and Ishmael heading out into the desert, he sends angels to stop them and says, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of you. Go back because my plan's not over yet. But there was a price to pay, still a price to pay in it, even though God, with his compassion, said, I'm going to take care of you. But our shortcuts get us in trouble. I bet you can think of some right now. I've got a few, few you know, where you, I'm not the most patient person in the world. And you want to see things happen. And so you jump ahead of God and you wait. And have any of you found out that God just doesn't seem to run? He doesn't. I mean, you'd think we'd take a lesson from Jesus because there's not one time it says he ran. I mean, even his friend dies, right? His friend's dying. Yeah, I'll be there. Got it, got it covered. Yeah. What do you mean you got it covered? It's going to take three days to get her. He can't. He's going to be dead. He was dead for like two days. By the time he got there, he died actually right after they got the note to him. And I mean, God just is not in a hurry. Jesus doesn't run anywhere. He knows there is a plan and he's walking in it. Man, can we use some of that, right? It's no wonder that Paul uses walk this way so many times in the epistles when he talks about what it means to be a Christian. Put one foot in front of the other and walk. Walk it out. Some of us that are older know that now. This is how we get down the road. You know, it's not the sprinting and you know that. It's putting one foot in front of the other. Obedience today, tomorrow, the next day. Trusting God today tomorrow, the next day, then 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the road, you look back and you go, okay, I get it. You're in no hurry, God, because the work that you're doing is a deep work in me, a deep work in the people around me. I get it. I get it. You're in no hurry. And so when we think like the promise is taking too long, it's calling on El Shaddai. In uh, 1 Samuel 13, 8 through 14, there's a king named Saul. Saul starts out kind of good, if you know the story. You guys ever read these stories in here? Read this book. Okay, good. This is a really special book right here. And Saul, you know, Saul is, uh, Saul is looking for the priest, and he wants, uh, the priest doesn't show up when he wants to, so Saul takes on himself to be the priest, and he does a sacrifice. 
Saul steps out of where he, his responsibility, and he steps into an area because he feels like God is slow. So I will do the sacrifice. I'm not going to wait on Samuel. I'll just, I'll just do it myself. And, of course, Samuel shows up and goes, what the heck are you thinking? That's, you can't do that. You move according to God's time. And this is the most difficult thing in our lives, I'm, I'm convinced, is trying to walk and to do life according to God's timetable because he always looks late. He looks late. And uh, so El Shaddai, when we get a little nervous, how do you know when a promise has taken too long? How do you know? Do you have a parameter? Is it just a feeling you have? Like, I'm so antsy, I can't take it any longer. I've, I've got to deal with this. But you feel like God has given you direction, but now down the road a little ways, you're thinking, maybe I was mistaken. Maybe it wasn't God. Maybe I was thinking my, it's my own thoughts. Uh, how do you know when a promise has taken too long? You know, God's promises many times to us are not as individually individually packed as we think they are. They have a part in the bigger picture of the kingdom many times. In other words, for Abraham and Sarah, this had, you know, this was a monumental moment in time. This wasn't just about them having a son. And you know what? In your life, there's a lot more writing in your life than just that one particular thing that you're praying for and you feel like God has promised you. Most likely, that is connected to something else God is doing. And you know what? He told us it's going to be 400 years. Remember in Egypt? God tells Abraham, it's going to be 400 years before you see a promise, one of these promises I'm giving you. Now, how's that for dragging your feet? We Americans definitely don't like that. 400 years? What? I I don't know those people, you know? Yeah, but you're a part of it. You're part of the grand scheme, the grand plan of God. And every part of your life fits into some eternal quality most likely. And that's why many times God's promises seem so late to us. Because God is moving on this grand scale of eternity. And he's, he's, I can't see it. Most of us won't see it till the kingdom come. When it comes in its fullness and when it gets pointed out to us. Remember when you did this? Remember when you did that? Remember when you waited, when you prayed, when you shared? Here's why it counted. Right here. This is it. Your great, 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 great grandson walked into something that you did. Something you contributed to all those years before. We as a culture know nothing about that. Other cultures in the Middle East, they definitely know about that. They do not mind waiting. They don't mind paying into something that they may not see for 300 years, 400 years. But that mindset comes out of the set mindset that God, El Shaddai, is doing something and moving us along. So how do we know when the promise is taking too long? And how do we recognize acting in faith, faith versus fear? Because when we step out of the timing, it's usually that, isn't it? We're afraid it's not going to happen. We've waited too long. We've waited too long, so I've got to do something. So what's the difference in faith and fear? Now, here's the caveat. Faith doesn't have reality attached to it yet. Because when you're, when you're still living by the faith and believing for it, it, it has not happened yet. You get this? You don't need the faith when you have the fact. And so once, you know, if fear takes me and I'm not willing to wait to see if God's going to do this, and then I've stepped out of faith and I'm stepping into fear. 
And so it's always good just to go back and, and, and say, God is, you know, have you given me the faith for this? If you have, I want to step and I want to stay in this and keep walking. But moving and reacting out of fear, that is something Jesus never, ever did. He was the most self-actualized person who ever lived. Never pushed around, never taken advantage of, and never in a hurry. Always one foot in front of the other, fulfilling what his father called him to do. So, your last fill-in is this. Um, El Shaddai, when I could use a break. <laughs> Amen. There you go. I knew you'd like this one. That's why I saved it last. El Shaddai, when I could use a break. Over in Psalm 91, uh, we read the name El Shaddai. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Shaddai. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. My, abide in the, sh- dwell in the shelter Abide in the shadow. Wow. My refuge. My fortress. There is renewal. There is protection. Uh, there is where time can stop for a few moments. Where you can be encouraged. That is in Shaddai. The shadow of the almighty. El Shaddai. Uh, when it's hot. When it's dusty. This scripture probably. They, we don't know for sure. But Psalm 91 was probably written by Moses. At the time that he was walking through the desert with the people. Of God. And so, you know, you know what? He, you read this right about Moses. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's having quite a job with Moses, right? And, I mean, he's like, man, these people, God, you know. And uh, he gets to a place in his life where he's like, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, that's where I need to be, God. I will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Shaddai. I'm remembering El Shaddai. You are the strong creator. You called us out of Egypt. But, Lord, you are also like a mother who nurses and takes care and brings nourishment to me in this journey. You can give me a break right in the middle of my wilderness. Right in the middle of my dry, dusty road, El Shaddai can come and give me a place of shelter, of coolness, of refreshing, because he does care for us. El Shaddai, when I need a break. The thirsty woman at the well in John 4 Jesus, man, what an amazing story. Jesus sits down with her and tells her, you know, I got water that if you'll drink it, you'll never be thirsty again. Of course, it's a huge metaphor, right? And as far as we know, he never got any water from her. He just starts the conversation. He's thirsty. The disciples go off for some meals, some food, and he comes back. The lady goes back to her family and her friends in the town and brings the whole town out to see Jesus. And sure enough, that water in that dry, dusty place in the middle of the day with that lady who had been spurned and ridiculed and rejected by so many people in her life becomes the catalyst in her moment of rest with him to see the whole city changed. That is the beauty of El Shaddai. He brings us rest. He hides us in his shadow. He's, I think I got a picture of a hen. Did I get that to you? I must have messed up on some of my pictures. Yeah, isn't that a cool picture? Look at that. There's the picture of, of, like Jesus said, I would like a mother hen pull you to myself. So if you, if you want to see the one side of El Shaddai, of him pulling you to himself and hiding you under his wings, that's it. That's what he was thinking of when this was written. So how many of us today could use 
some time with El Shaddai. A strong God, a strong leader, a strong Savior, and yet a compassionate, tender-hearted one who draws us to himself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. We love your tenderness, God, but we also admire, respect, and your strength, God. Elohim, creator, strong creator, almighty God, but also the God who cares and who is in touch with everything that enters our life. So I pray now for those of us, and if this is you, maybe you could just Hold your hands out is, is like a, a sign to God that this is me, God. This is me. I, I need to know you as El Shaddai this morning. Strong Savior, strong God, but compassionate. Because my time schedule does not feel like your time schedule right now. I feel like I've run out of time or I'm running out of time, God. Would you come? Assure me. Come to me as El Shaddai. Come to me, Lord. Maybe you've taken shortcuts in your life and you're looking back and you're going, oh my goodness, I've got an Ishmael in, in my life. I've done something I shouldn't have and this happened and this happened. But just as God spoke to Hagar and he's speaking to you, it's okay, it's all right. I got this. I've got this. Come on back. Come on back to what I'm doing. Come on back and be a part of what I'm doing. Don't run away. And don't let anyone run you off. Come back to what I'm doing. Thank you, Father. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com. Dot com.